Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. My name is Brian Kiley, and today my co-hosts, Pastor Lance Hahn and I, are joined by Jeff and Claire Eberhardt. Jeff and Claire are longtime members of the Bridgeway family. Jeff serves as Bridgeway's technical director. They're also parents of six children, four of whom are adopted, two of whom are in the process of adoption. We'll talk about the joys and challenges of adoption, why caring for foster adoptive children is important, and how churches and individuals can help support foster adoptive kids and families. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 19 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Like I said, my name is Brian, joined by the one and only Pastor Lance Hahn. I am still here. Still I actually here. live right here next to the microphone. We have turned you on for the episode. That's right. And you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. Also joined by Jeff and Claire Eberhardt. Thanks for being with us, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're, we're excited about this. Jeff, how does it feel to be in front of the microphone for once yes, in your life? Yes, this is very... Well, not for once in my life. I used to do a lot of stage... This is the first time in your life, Jeff. I, uh, what, what is this? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I don't know anything about technology. <laughs> no. You know how it all works, and mm-hmm. now you're in front of it. Yes. Yeah. So. Do, do I just unplug this button right here? Uh, no, no. Don't, don't touch no, anything. Don't do that, or everything stops working. Oh, okay. You know that. Yes, I'm anyway being facetious. We, uh, I am really, really excited about this conversation. Uh, Jeff and I were just talking before the episode. Jeff and I know each other really well, but I know almost nothing of their story of of adoption. I know they have lots of children. We see them all the time, and they're awesome. Yes, the story I tell is that my wife likes to collect uh, animals and children, and so that's where we find ourselves. Everyone needs to have a hobby. So I know the children count. What's the animal count? I just am curious now. Well, our chickens got ravaged a little bit recently, so we're down to two chickens, but we have chickens and goats. We have two of everything right yeah, now. Yeah, except for the hamster. Only That's one right. of those. Didn't I purchase a dozen eggs from you one time? Now that I remember, those were good mm-hmm. eggs. Anyway. All right. Not it is very biblical and Noah-like <laughs> to have two of every kind. Yes. Yeah. Well done. That's right. All right. So we're here today to talk about foster care adoption kind of we're here to hear your story we want to talk about how the church in general how individuals can be uh, more supportive of foster adoptive families we want to talk about kind of what families need to consider if they're thinking about starting that journey uh, and then I I just personally am very excited about hearing a little bit of your story so could uh, Claire could you maybe get us started here Talk us, talk to us a little bit about the beginning of your journey. What got you and Jeff even thinking about all of this? You know, I was thinking about that as far as how uh, we we both started. I'm not sure exactly how you started, although I, I know we came together. Uh, it really started with the fact that we wanted kids, and I didn't want to be pregnant. <laughs> it sounded awful to me. Um, the whole process, the giving birth part as well. Um, and but I wanted kids. I wanted to be a mother, and the adoption uh, was the way to be able to do that. Uh, I know that he has um, adoption in his family, that so that he was aware of it that way. I start after we. T- I know we talked about it at some point. When it went well that I I said I didn't want to <laughs> uh, give birth, and I started researching and looking up the different types of adoption. Yeah, and, and we started in that in that process. We uh, my my aunt and uncle have an orphanage and a school in Haiti, and so we thought, okay, well, this would be a natural fit. Why don't we pursue that? And so we started looking into it and looking into the different agencies and, and how does this work? And at the, we started seeing uh, price tags that were beyond uh, what we were making in multiple years of savings. Uh, we started seeing maybe some of the, the processes were a little bit longer than we were hoping mm-hmm. <laughs> to engage in because we were ready to have a kid, have kids in a couple of years or, or less and uh, kind of got discouraged pretty quickly pursuing that route. Mm-hmm. very interested in it uh, for a very long time, at least in my life, uh, that this would be the way that we're going to go. We're going to get some kids from Haiti. Um, we're going to pull them from the orphanage or we bring them to the States. It's going to be awesome. And then we said, oh, that's not even an option for us. We're 25. You're going to be 35. And you're going to be 35 and married for X amount of years. And then it's got to cost really? $10,000 or 15000 whatever it was at the time. And we're like, uh, that's not a great opportunity for us. What else is there? Mm-hmm. And so Claire started doing her research. And- yes. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> um, what role has has your faith played in your desire to adopt? Yeah, um, I think that we're, we're called to take care of uh, the widows and the orphans. It's multiple times in Scripture that's referenced um, 
for me, I, I think that we're all adopted into God's family. It's it's not a, a far cry to of understanding for that for people who have Christian faith. Like uh, we have him as our heavenly father and we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and the concept of having a brother or sister um, who is not being taken care of in, in this life uh, really kind of pressed on my heart. And I was like, okay, well, we got these kids and, and they have a heavenly father, but like, who's taking care of them now? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I can step in, I can fill that role. I feel like I'm called as a Christian to step in and, and do what I can to help. So that's kind of how my faith brought me into the, the, the foster adopt relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Claire, anything to add to that? Um, I mean, I'd say it started off selfishly of wanting children. And (laughs) from there, when getting into understanding foster care and adoption and the need that was there, feeling an obligation after we got into it, that this was a calling and this was something that if we could, you know, expand our family and provide a home for kids in need, then we should. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, so it started off with one point, but certainly the desire to continue and feel that it, it definitely is where I'm supposed to be and God put me in this place because I could handle it and know how to deal with it. Um, that developed as we continued to adopt. You know, you mentioned that uh, early on you did some research and then and then you found out some stuff and then we kind of just cut right there. Uh, what did you find out? <laughs> if it's not going to be Haiti, what did you find out? And as as you found that out, you had to make that first step, which is bringing a child for the first time and completely changing everything about your relationship and your world. But then it begins to progress. So let's, let's kind of start at the beginning of that, that first decision. What did you find out? It's not Haiti. So what, what is it? Well, there's three main types of adoption. You have international, which would be what Haiti is. Um, You have domestic adoption, which is usually directly working with uh, the biological mother and adopting an infant. And then you have foster care um, through and to adopt foster care or foster care and adoption. Um, And they're all very different. Um, We looked into uh, international and again, the expense, the requirements, the same thing with domestic and the fact that I wasn't tied, and, and Jeff wasn't either, to having an infant. We looked into foster care, which doesn't cost anything at all. Um, and we can afford that. <laughs> Yay! Free, free, free is good. Free 99, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, we had, you had to pay for fingerprinting, but it's very minimal. There's not requirements as far as age outside of being able to take care of the children. Um, and so then we started researching that and, you know, signing up for the uh, filling out the packet and going to the classes and just kind of jumped into that process pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you end up fostering your first child. Two. Two. Yeah. Two at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about who they are and, and how that. Well, and, and even before that, um, when we're filling out this packet, it's, it's asking like, like, well, do you want one child? Do you want a male, a female? Do you, are you okay with sibling sets? And we're like, I guess we'd be fine with two. Uh, we don't know. We've never been parents before. Like, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? So, <laughs> sounds super easy. Yeah, we, yeah. We, uh, the our, our two uh, oldest, they were um, four and a half and two and a half mm-hmm. at the time when we got them. Um, and uh, we went. They were in Fresno, so we did a couple visits. Was were not fun drives, <laughs> and then um, they stayed over with us for the weekend. And so you have the transition period, which doesn't. Here's the thing it, with foster: um, it's never the same experience. You think yeah. after you know six kids, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen, and and then it, it's not. And this so this one was this way, but each child has been different. And then they stayed with us for the weekend, and then the next move was to permanently move in with us. Um, they weren't adopted at that point, but then they were living with us. And it was interesting um, when they were dropped off finally and they're going to start being in foster care with the intention of adoption, hopefully, what they were dropped off with. They showed up with a suitcase that had, I think, a pair of pajamas and like a mismatched shoe. And that was it on our doorstep. We were like, wow. Really? Wow. How was that? Okay. Well, yeah, Israel had even less. Yeah. He had what he was wearing. Yeah, he's oh the third one that we got, yeah. So So I know that was that was a bit ago. Yeah. But I have to assume that that's just kind of one of those moments that's that's pretty well seared into your memory. Yeah. T- take us through crazy. that. I'm just I, I'm so curious to know um take us through that kind of initial period of time where these children are dropped off with you. And now you've had this process, but it hasn't been super long and you haven't had a ton of interaction with them. And all of a sudden your parents now 
of, you said it was four and a half and two and a half. Was that mm-hmm. how old yes. You're a parent of these children who have had obviously significant challenges in their background. And now it's, they're, 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 they're your yeah. family. There you go. They, so, yeah. so talk us through in, that. In, Insta family, just add water, right? Yeah. Like, they, they, okay, they you're were, talking to me. You're not an infant. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I called them our feral children. They were wild. Um, mm. They hadn't had a lot of rules or structure, and they ran around, and it was pretty crazy. It was exhausting for the first, I don't know, month, two months. <laughs> yeah. uh, just uh, always tired um, because, it was, I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, and we didn't know what we know now about attachment, about behaviors. So you're going, I, I know how I babysat, I nannied, I understand children. These things are not working, and I don't know why. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, you know, it was exciting. It was nerve-wracking. Um, it was thrilling when they, you know, gave you hugs and, and cuddled up to you. Um, it was also tiring and a little bit crazy. And they, I mean, they were desperate for any type of affection, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, exciting at the moment because, you know, that's what you any any parent wants of their child is to, to show that affection for them. And, and that manifested in, differently for each of them as we've kind of progressed in life. Yeah. Um, and we can get into the kind of the attachment stuff a little bit later, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but it was it was odd to me to have a child that was speaking to me immediately. You know, I didn't get yeah. that birth experience. But the four and a half year old who the only thing he knew was the color orange. He couldn't count. He couldn't say his ABCs. He couldn't do any of that. And mm-hmm. at four and a half, it was very indicative to me that like no one had ever invested any time or energy into this child, even in the foster care system. So not all foster families and homes are going to be great for these kids. You know, some of that, some people are in the system because they want the money, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Some, you can get some money in foster care to help support taking the kids to the doctor and dentist visits and clothes and stuff like that. That was not true in this, in this situation for our first, first kids that we got. They, They had obviously not received any of that benefit. Yeah. And it was just heartbreaking to realize that. So, if you would have had your own child, let me give you a little little background on how this would have went. Um, that there, it's almost like the way that God set it up is there's all this prep. So, for example, all of a sudden, uh, with a woman, there's some transformations in her body. There's inner utero stuff. There's certain possible bonding agents. There's all this stuff. Well, then all of a sudden, this baby comes, and I always joke that. Like when they hand the baby to you to take it home, you're like, are you kidding me? Like, why are you handing me a living being? Like, I'm not responsible enough for this child. (laughs) But when you take the baby home, it just sits there. Like, it, it, like, it's like a plant. And you're like, uh, is it going to move? Like, is it going to do anything? And then there's this whole time where you get a little bit of breathing space to go, okay, I think I'm a parent now. And you get these little baby steps to kind of learn to be a parent. Mm. When you guys walked into this, we jumped all those steps and wham, we're instantly in parent mode, moment one, and no background. Like, And, and I think that, as you said, we'll get into the attachment process in a moment, but I think that what people don't realize is that you assume that a four-year-old hasn't had a lot of history. You assume a two-year-old hasn't had a lot of history, and that is completely inaccurate. Because you go, oh, I got a little one, I got a young one, they're a blank slate. Oh, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. And and so just, you know, obviously I was joking about how it would go, you know, I, my whole point was what you walked into, you got a tsunami of change instantaneously you got no warm-up and there's no way to really warm up on that right right right. and and that's why i think that when god says listen i kind of designed this out so that there would be loving parents for children i designed it for them to be safe i designed it for them to be healthy but that's not how it's going so i have to have people come in and and rescue and be a part of this process but it's not how i wanted it yeah and so the little babies that you get, whether they're four or eight, they're in process already. You like came right in the middle of the, some movie. Yeah, there was the on ramp was way too short. Way too short. Right. And we we came right on a semi, you know, right, right immediately. <laughs> like, Whoa, you did. Here we go. And that's why I just I just have so much awe and respect for this process. It's just so amazing that you that you two 
went into this. And then it's not like you went, oh, I almost got hit by a semi. I never want to do that again. Because <laughs> you did it again. Yeah, we're <laughs> suckers yeah. for punishment. Right? So, so, so yeah. So that's, I mean, we've talked about, okay, so uh, your your two little ones show up at uh, age four and a half and two and a half. And I'm, I'm sitting here. My, my youngest son is four and a half. I'm just completely hung up on how you said how he knew orange and very little. Very little just, I mean, four and a half years, so much goes. I mean, anyway, I'm just sort of like, and, my and mind not, is just blown. And back. not every foster home is um, there to cheat the systems or right, cheat the kids. Of course. Right. And I'm not, and that was not why I said that statement, but it was very immediately impaired or, um, available to us like that like there's something is off yeah. here in this case yes things have gone wrong so okay so you have these two tell us about uh tell us about the rest of your kids uh and kind of the process of them becoming a part of your family we can go, we go. okay um the next with uh israel he was just turned two i think two days before we got him and we had put in we had the boys older two boys for a while and then finally I contacted our social worker because we stayed uh, – a lot of people when they – after they adopt, they don't stay licensed. But I knew that we wanted to adopt again at some point. I'm going to stay licensed. So we stayed licensed so it's easier. And I, so I just called our social worker. Um, it had been a couple years with, okay, we're ready to adopt again because mm-hmm. um, I know it takes some time as well. And it did. It took a while. Uh, uh, a year or more before yeah. I really heard anything at all. And mm-hmm. then they call one day. Um, and what we did have girls um, that we fostered before that actually that did not uh, go through. Um, so we did do that for a little bit. And then but one day they called with with Israel and said, hey, are you interested? Here's he's two. Here's a little bit of the background. Sure. Great. Can you come pick him up in two hours? <laughs> oh, my God. So we were, we were out like on a family trip somewhere and we're like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Like right now, right now. <laughs> so it's literally you're just living your life normal. Yeah. Like we're on can a list. You ha- can you have it? I mean, you know that it's possible. Well, what, but that's not usually how it goes unless you're emergency foster, but they needed a placement for him because he had gone into emergency foster care the, a day before and she was getting someone else coming in and they needed a home and they'd rather not move them multiple homes. So yep. yeah. they knew they were aware of us. So they asked, but they needed us to pick him up then. So, yeah, it was a very different experience from the older boys, which you they visit visited us and process we visit it. them. Yeah. So we picked him up that night and he only had what he was wearing on him. And we had to go to Walmart late that evening and buy a A crib and diapers. What you're going to wear tomorrow, maybe. (laughs) Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're halfway home here. Right. <laughs> uh, take us through. Uh, and he, and, yeah, and he's, through the he's seven now. He's seven. So it's been, what, five, five years? You said you got him when he was two? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, the next was Ryan. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. Yeah, that was not. And it wasn't. That one um, was interesting as far as same kind of thing. Once we were ready again, I told our social worker, uh, you kind of you go in. They actually have basically um, it's kind of a books of kids that are available. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't say too much about them, but, and, but you can put in your name uh, if you're interested. And I had put in our name for him, but, but I don't remember because it's months later, right? So I, they're like, you were you interested in this? Can you like, uh, sure? I guess did I <laughs> did I put down my name? Uh, and they actually had I guess a couple other people who were interested. So the so his social worker sent me an email asking a bunch of questions. And I answered them, um, and I got a call while I was in Kentucky doing work for the week, um, saying that we'd been selected and mm-hmm. that that we'd been matched with him. Okay, great. And he was uh, up in Wairika, mm-hmm. and they said, so "Well, we'll do maybe a visit uh, before," because he was young, eighteen months, um, mm-hmm. so the youngest out of all of them. We like to do one visit and then see about transitioning. So I was like, "Great. Mm-hmm. When we get back, when I get back from from work, we'll figure that out." I get a call the next day or the day after that says, you know, he's been life flighted to the UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento. Can you get there? <laughs> well, um, I'm like, not really. I'm in Kentucky. So I called Jeff, let him know what was going on. Um, and he had a very interesting experience with that as well. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> here I am, a single dad for, you know, a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, Claire's out of town and... And they're like, uh, we need you to come to the hospital because we have this kid for you. And um, like, fortunately, I think your mom was in town helping out for a little bit or whatever. I said, yeah. can you stay a little bit longer? And basically, I drove to the hospital like a couple hours later. Um, he had an infection all in his leg. That's why he'd been life flighted, um, not doing well physically. 
I walked into the room. He had bite bite marks all over him. Um, and they from other kids, other kids that were in the foster home that he was coming from, and all the nurses uh, are like, "Well, who are you?" Uh, you know, I'm that like they assumed that like I'm this the bio dad, and like I was immediately like quor- quarantined off, and like because they thought that maybe there was some abuse happening. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I was like, I'm. I've never met this child. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a good Not guy. I got Sorry. A, I got a phone call and they said, show up. And I, here I am. And like, oh, you're, so you're not the bio dad. No. No. Yeah. And so then immediately, uh, Ryan's not doing well. Uh, there's like nine nurses and doctors like running around the bed and I'm standing in the room going, like, what is going on? Like they're sticking in with needles and pulling blood. And, and it was just insane. And I'm like, this poor 18 month old child is just not having it. And what, what did I just sign up for? You know, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. But we got through that process. Um, and the, the first thing he wanted, uh, once he saw me was just a hug wow. and just immediately latched onto me. And so I, with all of his, you know, cords and everything, you know, that I, I could walk around the, the hospital and, and he was just, uh, he was like a little teddy bear, you know, it was wow. amazing. And the immediate attachment, I was like, this is incredible. Uh, really mm-hmm. cool situation that I, that I could actually be available for this because you know he's waking up out of crazy doctors everywhere and stuff sticking in his body and he hurts and there's somebody here who wants to just hold him just be with him you know wow. so in, in the home that he was in like God bless the foster mom that was there but she had what four little ones under the age of two that she's as a single parent trying oh to gosh. take care of like he wasn't getting that attention despite her best efforts probably. But wow. he was in a previous foster home, which is why he had better attachment that was good mm-hmm. uh, when he was even younger because he was removed at like four months. He was removed very young. Wow. Um, and so he actually had a good experience that had some healthy attachment before he was transferred to a different home that ended up not being as good, mm-hmm. which is then why you had this uh, desire for attachment that if a kid had never had any of that, probably would not have reacted the way that Ryan did. Yeah. And as much as the hospital sucked... Um, I went there as soon as I was back, and he was still in there for several days. Mm-hmm. That um, being available to him during that time is actually a really good attachment uh, way to, to uh, option to be able to not option, I guess, but a, a way to be able to attach because yeah. there's that pain and that hurt, and you're that adult there that's providing the comfort and showing and that you can protect them as much as you can and, and you know be there for him and i mean that kind of jump starts attachment uh in some ways and but yeah he was i've never had a kid hold on for a hug as tight wow. as, as he did so how long was he in the hospital for when you first got him about a week or so a week. yeah okay wow. i mean, I mean it, it went well like they were able to get rid of the infection and um i remember i have vivid memories of him in his little cart with one le- working leg like you know, doing circles because yeah, has all that function, walk. but like he loved it, man. He's yeah. wow. he's all about it. So. Do we know what the infection was from? Well, I mean, he, he, go ahead. Uh, I mean, they don't, you, you don't know exactly. They know what it was, cellulitis. So whether it was a, a, a spider bite or an insect bite or a scratch, any of that stuff could have. But something got uh, something got in there and infected. Yeah. And infected yeah. it, yeah. yeah. And, and a little bit indicative of um, the neglect earlier in life that um, we, we've had some physical struggles with Ryan when surgeries and stuff on his ears because he was just kind of left alone for six months. Right. Um, and, you know, that had a, an adverse effect on his body wow. even today. Yeah. Stuff that we're still working through. So. Okay. So then Ryan comes home and you're a family of six. And then. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> since then you've added. Uh, two girls. Two, two girls. Yeah. And, and they're how old? Now six and seven. Okay. We got them at. Six and six and four. Four and six, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's okay just run down of where we're at right now. We've got six six children, and what are all their their ages? Thirteen, eleven, seven, seven, six, five. Yeah, it's a, so. lot, of, it's a lot of kids. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's a lot of kids. <laughs> so, uh, talk a little bit then about if you can just kind of we can zoom back out and go big picture here. Talk about. What are just some of the the blessings and just kind of beautiful moments you've experienced uh, as parents? And then what are maybe some of the the unique challenges that you guys have, have walked through? Sure. Um, it, it's the way I would describe being um, a foster adopt dad and adopted dad is uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. It's really challenged my patience. <laughs> I have to allow patience to exist in my frontal lobe before my <laughs> logical reasoning. 
on these things and it needs to be abundant, right? And so I constantly am having to check myself that uh, it's not their fault. Like they didn't develop these tendencies and these, these things um, because of me or because of my, <clears throat> excuse me, because of my parenting technique, they developed this because they were neglected, because they were abused, because they were abandoned, right? And so mm-hmm. what can I do to better this situation as a dad? What can I do to, to breathe life into them? And it's incredibly challenging. But when you get you get wins and you get these moments where it's like, yes, you get it. Like we can have a conversation about this and you're internalizing this and you're thinking about other people first or you're developing even minutia amounts of empathy, mm. which was never developed, you know, for one of our kids. Like it's, it's incredible to have small wins like that and see them interact in classrooms for the first time and not just be, you know, peeing themselves on purpose and blowing the place up and stealing money from a bus driver and like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like what is going on, you know? Yeah. So um, the little wins are things that are fun to celebrate. You know, mm-hmm. being called dad is uh, a, a life joy. Yeah. Um, you know, I am a father, even though I didn't, wasn't part of the birthing process for any of these kids, like I'm still their dad. That's and, right. And that's, that's a beautiful story for that's anybody awesome. who has an opportunity to be a dad. It's so, so good. It's the best. Yeah. Claire, how about you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think one of the best things, because we aren't connected by biology, is Mm -hmm. to see when they've picked up things uh, that are you and knowing that that you influence that. It wasn't just, oh, we biologically kind of both, you know, do this one thing or Uh act a certain way, but that if it's a certain mannerism or or saying or thing that they're doing, most of the time, sometimes it's a little, oops. (laughs) Yeah, they picked a one. Oh, dang it. Whoops. (laughs) I think every parent has that. Yes. We're like, oh, no, you learned that from me. Where did you learn that word? But when it's not the oops ones, it's... It's really heartwarming to see and think for, you know, how that that came from us, that that we are influencing them, mm-hmm. um, that it isn't all futile, <laughs> uh, that, that, that they are picking up things from us and, and getting to see that connection and knowing there's a connection from these kind of little small moments that, you know, those oh, that was that's me or that's Jeff. You're very sarcastic in this moment. Yeah, Where they, did you they get that? that up for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mystery. Yeah. yeah. I. I have a question kind of a little bit related to that, that you're, you're just going to have to forgive if this is just incredibly ignorant. So I'm just going to apologize in advance for that. But um, I was just talking to another one of our colleagues this morning, just as like more morning chit chat about our children and about fighting between siblings and relationships and just managing all of that. Um, how have you seen that play out in your household? You've got two, two boys who are biologically related. And then the remaining, and then the two, are the two girls, are they sisters biologically? I mean, obviously they're sisters. Are they biologically yeah. sisters? Sorry. Um, how does that, I mean, how does that dynamic work out in terms of the kids getting along? How have you, I'm, I'm just wondering, is it just sort of the same as what every, every parent, regardless bio, non-bio deals with in terms of kids fight and that's just how it is? Or have you seen anything unique in your family situation? I, I don't. Uh, I don't really even process through that. Like, it, like it doesn't affect my thinking uh, as I'm playing with the kids or talking to them. Like, I don't even like my brain doesn't even go there. And so, and I think it doesn't go there because I don't think the kids' brains go there. Yeah. I don't think they care yeah. that they're a bio brother or sister. Like, this is my brother. This, this is my sister. Yeah, this is my family. It. Yeah, and I, there's nothing different about that dynamic there. Yeah, which, but it's interesting because there are. Families who have bio kids that also choose to adopt, you know, and internationally foster care, whatever it is. And uh, I don't have that experience. So I don't know if that's if that plays differently. If you, you've had a child that you has come through and all of a sudden, hey, we threw another kid into the mix. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I've talked to some people who have um, and, and even from our experience, you, you know, whether it's foster or adoptive or biological, they're all your children, mm-hmm. and therefore they're all siblings. And for the most part, I mean, I'm sure if you, you know, there are cases where if you bring in a kid that's older, a teenager, that, that just decides to reject everything they may not view. But if they have become part of the family, that, I mean, that's, they see each other, they're, they're, they're brothers and sisters, and yeah. they act like it. I mean, we, certain, certain kids like to push buttons more than others, but yeah. they like they, they play well together, and then they bicker well. So. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I would imagine the, the, the best of friends, worst of enemies dynamic yes. is is ever-present, <laughs> I'm sure. So uh, next question I want to ask is just uh, the church is, is good at promoting 
foster care and adoption, um, those of us who have been in church world for a while, you hear it talked about, you hear it advocated for, and that's beautiful, both from, you know, from pulpits, from various uh, kind of celebrities in the Christian world are obviously very prominent in, in adoption. And uh, there's certainly, it seems to me, a fair amount of awareness, at least from my perspective. Mm. Um, but oftentimes, something, Claire, you were mentioning in, in preparation for the episode is that the church isn't as good at understanding some of the difficulties of, of foster and adoption. Um, how can the church do better at talking about foster care and adoption? And then how can the church better support families who have, have entered into that process? Um, yeah, I think that the church does a pretty good job of promoting the idea and the importance of of supporting uh, that idea of you know adopting or fostering or how we want to support. But um, that it is hard to understand um, unless you really know someone well that's gone through the process and adopted a kid, especially a kid that might uh, have an attachment issue um, aspects or um, be one of those people who's gone through it. Um, it's really hard for people to fathom just the level of difficulty that par- these parents are going to go through with mm-hmm. their kids. Um, it's not the same as parenting a kid who has been healthily attached and, and raised in a loving family from birth. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up with, with a lot of behavioral issues and, and a lot of judgment from other people. And so longer-term support, I think, is – and it's hard. And I know that's hard because trying to keep connected with those people and, and, and finding ways that you can help out. But really it's that, that longer-term support of not just, yeah, you adopted um, and – we, you know, a couple of the times, and it's been inconsistent too. Some of the uh, times when we, uh, the adoption was finalized or when we had a kid placed, you know, we got some support with food, which is great. It's always great to get mm-hmm. meals um, <laughs> because it is this chaotic thing when you have a new kid placed mm-hmm. with you. And it, it is, you know, it kind of is like giving birth and, and, and being tired and exhausted and needing that support. So with some of them, we had the, the people from the church brought over meals, and that was fantastic, and uh, bring us some clothes for mm. the kids. Target gift um, cards. Yeah, and that was – and then Pulling others – stuff out of the sky. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, and other times, you know, nothing. It kind of just depended. And the, But then the, as far as long-term support, it's like, okay, now you've adopted. It's all good. Yay. Yeah. And it, there's, an, I think, an assumption that then you're fine. And the reality is it's still a lot of hard – work uh, and, and things we're not even aware of yet that it's going to be even more work than that like oh oh this is a much deeper issue or something that you're struggling with that we did not it did not surface in the first month or two you know like when it was fresh it's yeah. a fresh placement and now we're like okay now you're peeling the, the onion back so to speak and there are some deep stuff here that's going to take a lot their life <laughs> well yeah. trying to you know I, I, you know, I don't have any adopted children. I have two, two bio kids. And, and one thing that, um, I think is important even for adoptive parents to remember is that parenting is hard period. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes it's like, man, I invited all this on myself. Well, hold on. I think just parenting period is difficult whether they're adoptive or not. And you can do a lot of things right. And it's still hard. Parenting is hard. And it's good, but it's difficult. And um, so in one sense, I think that there should be a normalization of saying, you know what, all these parents around the church are struggling, you know, and we're kind of like, hey, are we the only ones struggling out here? Nope. All the parents are struggling. Um, Now, here's the difference is that is it your babies that you get to get came with trauma. There's there's elements of trauma. Now, that makes a game changer. Then all of a sudden, the, and the part that I was I wanted to ask you real quick was that when you bring into an environment, so you you two were safe and healthy. I mean, other than Jeff, right? <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. I'm but, safe and healthy. The, okay, thank you very much. Okay, so you guys are safe and healthy, and you bring in trauma into a safe and healthy mix. What that does is that little one then has to spin, but there's mostly safeguards. The second child that's brought in is trauma upon trauma, Hmm. meaning that they're not safe for each other because this one's still trying to catch up. This one's brand new to it. Then you add another one in and the trauma begins to ricochet off each other. And you're you're corralling and trying to put more health into the mix than any trauma into the mix. And so my question uh, for you is how much are you aware that and, and having to manage the fact that 
each child, no matter what, is bringing in an exponential difference into the house. Mm. Because if Israel was still struggling with his issues and the little, the little girls come in and he's still not ready yet, meaning right. in his head, and he's like, what are they doing here? Right? Like I, you know, and then he triggers off them and they're like, why are you rejecting me? You know what I mean? So all of a sudden there becomes all these diamonds. How do you, how do you guys talk through that and process that? It's incredibly hard. Uh, the, uh, the best way uh, to describe it is, is like managed chaos, right? Yeah. And and, and we're literally in um, kind of trying to hold on to the crisis mode at most times, right? And and the, the times that that's not happening is like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. But it is – It uh, props to, to my wife because she, she started realizing this, I think, through the process of adding children. Like I need more support. I need yes. more resources. I need, yes. to, I need to know what's going on so that I can help better right and and if i go away for for work or conference or whatever uh, she goes away like it if you're all of a sudden a single parent with six kids is <laughs> and that are impacted you know and yes. they're in it very like oh my goodness okay here we go and, and the kids know it and they know <laughs> right just like any kid know like so I'm, they all are very well behaved then yeah honoring <laughs> the fact that you're on your own right yeah but but like it's it's as parents and i'll let claire talk more into this because she's the pro but uh, finding those support systems to keep your yes. own sanity Amen. and um, and asking, you know, like asking the church, asking these support groups like for help when it's needed. You know, I mean, we've even played that role doing respite care for, for family families that like, hey, I need a break. Like this is too much for me. I'm at my wits end. I need to go with my spouse for the weekend. Can you help us? And that's okay. <laughs> like, mm. And that exists out there. Like yeah. some people don't know that that even exists. But it, but it is hard because the reality is we can't drop our kids off with any uh, babysitter out there. No, uh, mm-hmm. it does require a certain level of understanding how to handle our children. Yeah. So even finding babysitters, which is why I like to be able to do respite. Uh, you know, not just for the night, but we do you know weekend or kind of short term respite as it's for a week to help out those uh, families that have adopted and are struggling. Um. The the, th- the issue with the the behavior, I mean, you so you have the kids playing off each other, but it's just their own uh, trauma and issues that they're dealing with that you'd have even with one, and it and it does impact parents. It's very extremely difficult. I out of um, I mean, I can think of off the top of my head probably five families um, that are suffering the 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 mom uh, or uh, siblings that are suffering from anxiety and PTSD from the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, you have to be able to have your own space. You have to be able to take a break and be able to step back. And that's, I mean, that took a lot of learning from us because essentially you have these traditional behaviors that kids uh, show, let's say a tantrum, mm-hmm. right? But our kids tend to tantrum for hours, not minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to punch holes in the walls, um, destroy things, uh, while screaming, I hate you. Uh, or I, or I want to kill myself. Oh, Diane, one of the children mm-hmm. does that one. is to try to as a threat. Uh, yeah, I've gotten used to the, the the I hate you. Okay, great. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't let that stuff yeah. get to you. Yeah. Uh, you can't take any of it personally. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the times I had like all the kids crying. I was like, yes, jackpot. I made them all. <laughs> <laughs> I have arrived as a parent. <laughs> six for six. Uh, but it's, it's extreme behaviors. Mm-hmm. There's lying. There's constant lying, stealing, uh, with the, the ability of cause and effect thinking. All this is connected to um, the attachment stuff that when you're an infant, when you're um, supported and loved and picked up and, and responded appropriately to and baby cries. Mom picks baby up. Baby needs, you know, diaper change. That happens. I'm hungry. I get fed. They learn with this cycle, adults are safe and secure. When that doesn't happen and it's either, you know, I sometimes get my needs met and other times I don't, or I just don't get my needs met or I'm getting yelled at now, what they learn are that adults are not safe. And, and, and even, I mean, at a very young age. And so then it becomes, I have to be in control because I can't trust adults to take care of my needs, even to this kind of belief that um, I literally, my life is in danger, even if it isn't, if I'm not in control, which then leads to the lying, the manipulation, the stealing, even after the kids have been with us for years and they've made huge progress, that that when in your brain the amygdala kicks in with the fight or flight, that's it reverts back to that imprint, which is mm-hmm. goes back to the, okay, well, I'm going to lie. Or I'm going to, you know, do whatever else is with behavior. I'm going to just throw the, the tantrum. 
that is a you know a baby tantrum is what I try I, it feels like mm-hmm. in an older child that shouldn't you know developmentally be doing this at this point sure. for a very long period because they've completely lost self-regulation yes and these things aren't really issues that the kids that are healthy and secure in attachment have mm-hmm. to end up um, dealing with yeah so we've talked I mean you've talked quite a bit about attachment <clears throat> this morning and and the extent to which it affects the way that children develop and just the behaviors that, that you'll see what what do families that are looking into the into you know becoming foster parents or, or that are wanting to engage with foster children what do they need to understand about attachment and maybe some of the differences and, and you've alluded to this a little bit but some of the differences between say a child who is adopted at birth versus a child who uh, is you know, enters into a more stable environment a little bit later in life attachment which we had no idea when we got into this i mean it's we, so we went to the central. classes too right and it was never like they a part nothing about it oh no, no they yeah. did but it was more so there's an extreme and i don't it's called rad reactive attachment disorder and the reality is, is that most kids are not that it's i mean that's mm-hmm. the extreme version so they talked about that one your kids setting fires and torturing animals and you're like okay well gosh and you know the kids aren't doing that so mm. <laughs> we're okay and yet yeah no he did set fires eventually <laughs> i was like i uh, think that's not true yeah. Yeah. i feel like i've heard that story <laughs> but, but at the time they were not doing that uh, when we first got the oldest too and so you think okay you know it's not this and they, they they've gotten better um with being way more detailed they actually i come speak to the potential adoptive parents to be like hey to scare them yes <laughs> <laughs> here's the things you're gonna have to deal with and here's you know uh, you know but it, understanding attachment is 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 crucial for any uh, potential foster and adoptive parent because it you know you're and you're all of our kids are on a different level and spectrum of the attachment they there's more minor issues and then there's uh more extreme there's there's four attachment style secure which if you have loving parents and they you know everything went right you end up in a secure attachment which means you can form relationships you have cause and effect thinking empathy those type of things that some of it we don't even think about it's it just develops you don't have to teach it because of that attachment you have avoidant um which for a child is somewhat like i'm gonna play here and do my thing and i'm kind of cool if you're wherever you are so i don't need you as a parent um, if you come help me with stuff, okay, but I'm not going to be searching you out for help. I'm not going to come ask you for help. I'm not going to rely on you. I'm not going to mm-hmm. rely on you. Ambivalent is, um, uh, I call it kind of the, the, uh, pull push. I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. Um, mm. then that usually is because they got inconsistent, uh, treatment, you know, the where they were given love and care and then, that followed by their abuse or, or you know, yelling or a neglect. And so it's it's a conflict of, you know, I need you, but I, so like, I, I guess the best example of this is one of our kids is definitely this, and uh, he, I would be holding him, and he would be holding really tight while hitting me. Or, bite, wow. or, or biting, biting me. You, I, yeah. I have bite marks, scars from that still, yeah. And so it's, it's that's that push-pull, I, I, I need you, but I don't want you. Um, wow. And then the disorganized is the worst of them, um, which is really just uh, the more severe. Uh, and it doesn't have to be just abuse. Neglect. Um, it can't even be, like I said, with stuff that's serious in utero beforehand, whether that's drugs or trauma or just being, you know, uh, preemie babies that aren't getting that connection and attachment. Uh, it uh, can impact that. And disorganized you don't have cause and effect. You, do, I mean, you're basically the opposite of secure. You, you yeah, don't it's have like random. Uh, yes, it is. It's very random. They don't. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense in their actions and behaviors. Um, they don't know how to interact with peers properly. Uh, so, so just engaging in the world is difficult because you never learn those normal things of oh, just even learning social cues and and from your face, I can tell that you're happy or that you're sad or even more nuanced because usually kids if you when they have issues will say they can tell you oh you're you're mad um sad or happy and that's all they can tell and sometimes mm-hmm. it's you know and I'm mad so anything if i'm disappointed it's i'm not disappointed what they see is just mom's mad um mm-hmm. if i'm frustrated at something even not them mom's mad there is no nuanced and yeah. that makes it really hard because then it's you know, mom's mad, back off. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with it because they can't, it's really hard to read those cues because they weren't getting them when they were an infant. So you have these four 
And it, it dictates. It dictates your behavior, your peer relationships, cause and effect thinking, sensory stuff, whether yeah, you're aware huge. of your body. Yeah. That's a big one that all of our kids have. And, and it's interesting to watch. Um, Claire's part of a kind of a homeschool group <clears throat> and the different therapies they use uh, to help these kids make those synapses or try to develop things mm. when they don't exist, you know, like touching different parts of your body with different fingers and elbows. And like, they're trying to recreate something that should have happened from remapping the brain. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. And it's, and it's fantastic to watch any type of development, like all of a sudden trigger something that helps them process something more slowly yeah. rather than just randomly firing off whatever they're thinking at that moment. And it's like, this is working. And huh. I mean, it's not, necessarily pr uh, prolific as far as medical field like this is what's going to work but like people are trying these things and they're trying to remap the brain and give these kids an ability to interact with their environments healthily to interact with society once they leave the home maybe even like n almost normal and, and, and those are the it's interesting to like process through like my goal for you johnny isn't necessarily that you're going to be some wonderful uh, contribution to society. My goal for you is that you won't end up in jail. You can function you in can society. You can function and mm -hmm. actually contribute something, but like it's going to be it's going to be a, a tough life. But like if I can somehow if we can somehow help develop those like sensory things and ability to cause and effect think even at a slight level your options are much greater. Absolutely. Right. Uh, just to just to bring it in in kind of layman's terms. Um some of the statistics say that um, we develop our attachment and a lot of our developmental processes for our life within the first two years, right? So mm -hmm. and they said some stats say 75% is all done within two years. And what it means is that God front loads human beings, right? So you get a whole bunch of stuff up front to be able to process for the rest of your life. And I think that many of us are unaware of unintentional development. So we always think of it in terms of, oh, when the kids get older, I'm going to teach them something. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're soaking and absorbing mm. from Euro. Like inside, yeah. they're absorbing things. And to realize it's more caught than taught, right? I mean, they're feeling. So I remember something that really impacted me um, was that early, early on in the church, we did some missions work out in a place and they went to an orphanage and the orphanage was silent. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, there's no point in crying. The babies don't cry because mm. crying does not do anything. Wow. And it was like the saddest thing I had ever heard mm. because, because we all look and we go, oh no, they're crying. Well, hold on. <laughs> Crying is a good thing. It's how they're communicating, yeah. It's how they're communicating, and they're saying, you may, there is a point in crying that someone may rescue me. When that has been completely crushed, and, and they were babies, so it's not like they learned that from trauma in their teens. Oh, no, they absorbed it. Right. And, and just for letting everybody know how much that, that um, they just pick up stuff. They just pick up stuff. I feel that unless you know the research, I, I think that's just really hard to fully appreciate the mm -hmm. the impact of those of those early years. And mm -hmm. just hearing hearing you guys share about attachment, it just it just makes me. Th I, I feel like anybody who works with kids in any setting, uh, school, uh, church, bio parent, you know, whatever, like you just to understand. Attachment is critical to understanding what a child, the needs of a child. It would be nice. I mean, yes. I'm preaching to the choir here. I know yeah. that. Because uh, you certainly yeah. deal with it in the, the classroom, in the schools, um, trying to convince teachers, um, look, there is an issue or here's the deal with my kid. I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, these are things that are going to work. These are things that are not. And you get teachers that listen to you and, and respond and work with you. And it's great. Mm -hmm. And it helps with the, the, the kid. And you get teachers who go, nah, they're fine. And tell you that, like, you probably need parenting classes. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's happened. That's that, really yeah. encouraging. The yeah. judgment from outsiders yes, yeah. is brutal. brutal. I yeah. think if for nothing else, support groups are just for that. Yes. Where you have someone else that looks at you and goes, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm being judged by people who have no idea what I'm going That's to That's why we go, yes. so we can look at other people's kids and go like, I'm glad my child's not that messed up. <laughs> Amen. It always makes, yeah, at least it's not, our kid's not that bad. And yeah. You're judging people at support groups. Yes. It makes me a better person. Okay? <laughs> 
the, the thing is, yeah, that is an ex- it's a the public in general and not understanding right. is a big thing. And I think moms get the brunt of it. I think I've gotten a lot of questions or, or sure. comments that you've never gotten. No. And I, I think the the worst one was um, I don't know maybe it wasn't the worst, but one of the ones that I that I really remember we we only I had three I had I saw Isaiah Johnny and Israel and then I had um, a, a teenage uh, well um, almost a teenager with me from the homeschool thing we were doing she kind of come came and hang hung out with us um, at various times and we went to Michael's. And we're going around, and Israel, who was two at the time, was throwing a, a two-year-old tantrum. I mean, yes, it was a little more loud and extreme than the average two-year-old, but it was a. a <laughs> but like it happened. It, like, yes, that's... and it was all because I said no, he couldn't have something. So it felt like a How very dare ty- you. Yeah, by no, the way. It oh felt like gosh. a very typical situation to me, actually, compared to some of the others. I think I think Brian had one yesterday here in the office. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I asked uh, Lance for a snack, and he yes. said no. no and just... <laughs> throwing stuff and it wasn't yeah great, but so anyway. he's in the cart and we're walking around and this lady starts following us and i didn't notice at first because my focus when the kids start acting up i put on blinders to try to avoid like paying attention to what other people are, are doing because you can't it's yeah. really hard if you if you pay attention anyway but the 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 older girl said hey there's someone following us i'm like what and, and this lady comes up and starts talking to israel who's two and throwing a tantrum like asking him if he's okay and, I, and the first time i was like oh yeah you know I try to, you know, he's, he's two and it's a tantrum. And I said, no, Hope, the, the typical thing of expecting that. And she kept hanging on. He hadn't wanted nothing to do with her. I don't know what she thought. She then tried to talk to him again. Where, and I just, we kind of kept going. And then I guess she ended up behind us in line and asked the lady behind her, like, where's the mother? Oh and and the other lady was, I think that's her. <laughs> but just this assumption, apparently, I don't know what she thought. I was either the worst babysitter ever or kidnapping the child, but everyone else seemed that was with me was not, you know, I don't. It, things like that where you get, and it's not, those were just looks and, I yeah. mean, following me, it was very weird. But you get comments and things that are hard to deal with, not just judging you. Because um, certainly they say, like, well, if you just love them more, uh, yep. this wouldn't be an issue. And you, <laughs> that's n- definitely not, I wish that would work because that would be fantastic. Um, you're mean. I've gotten called, I know, and some of it's probably my personality, but I get called aggressive um, because you're defending your kids and trying to set up like this. I know you want to, to do this, but this doesn't work with them. Please don't. Your child is such a sweetheart. Oh. I, oh, okay. So those ones, yeah. Things not to say to yeah. to adoptive parents. So let's jump into that. Yes. What are some things not? We were going to get to it anyway. Let's do it. What are what are? I mean, I think obviously, uh, it's it's interesting. I think that. Um, I mean, we could talk for an hour about just the issues of judgment that parents face. Uh, I mean, that's certainly a live issue. I feel it as a parent. I think most parents feel it yeah. of just sort of like this judgment from meddling either other parents or other members of society and, and you know, whatever the case may be, it's just bizarre. And obviously your, our parenting techniques have impacted this child poorly and they're now, uh, uh, you know, not as good of a child as they could be if you guys had done better as parents. It's well, like, and if your kid pretends to throw himself to the ground, pretending you pushed him in public. Right. So they yeah, can, that, can get that, attention that somehow for it. some extra challenges. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some, I mean, so so many of us say stupid things in situations that where we're trying to help, and it's like, nope, that's that doesn't help. It makes things worse. Uh, what are some some things not to say to uh, foster parents, adoptive parents? Um, either things that you've heard, or just things that you would say. Hey, this seems like a good idea, and it's really not. Are these your real kids? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. they're. Real, they're real like they exist yeah, yeah. here they are and they're mine <laughs> that one or are they your own yeah and i yeah. hate that question is that like, is that his real brother is yeah or are they siblings so all those go together. well you know what i mean right yeah like <laughs> they they all go together and because the and they what they're wanting to know are one are any of them biological mm-hmm. yours mm-hmm. when they're saying are they your own mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and it somehow lessens that that the other kids that are adopted are not my own or, mm-hmm. or less than because they aren't biologically related to us. Um, and then asking, are they all, are they siblings? Mm-hmm. And you say, yes. And that's why I say, yeah, are my kids? Well, no, but I meant, you know, and they continue on. And, and some people get the clue. Other people, they keep pushing. There's this inherent need. But to, are any of them yeah. siblings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, they're all siblings. And, you know, and, they, and they, what they're wanting is, are there any of them biologically related? And mm-hmm. again, the, the issue is, why does it matter? I need to categorize your family so I know how you relate to the world. They're, Somehow they're, that's important. They're all, I mean, there's there's reasons to talk about it as far as, as you know, looking at connections or 
But when you have random people come up to you, or or even sometimes people you you kind of know, and they're asking in front of the kids, and it, it's it's suggesting that well, if there's those that have the biological bond, they're inherently more real siblings than those that are not. Mm-hmm. And so that is definitely how, and I and it's not just me that that a foster and adoptive parents are going to take those questions yeah. every single time you ask them, and and I get defensive with the own one because they are my own. Um, whether or not I gave birth to them. Yeah, the father must be so dark. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, how is that ever an appropriate question? <laughs> yeah, you know, regardless like, of anything. That is, yeah. yeah, He probably is. is. I mean, he's bi- the bio dad probably is, yes, but that's yeah. not an appropriate... Or, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, one's, that one was crazy. And I don't get this one as much anymore. When we just had the older two boys, because they don't look like us, it was, where are they from? And it would be, uh, here, or Fresno. But no, okay, <laughs> but yeah, you know but, what I mean. but where are they from? And you're like, yeah. Didn't your brother, he had a picture of our kids on his fridge and like his friends came over to visit him up in Seattle and, oh, are these the kids that you're sponsoring? <laughs> no, those are my nephews. So just what? assumptions. Yeah. If you have families that okay. that don't look alike, you're going to get that. Now, now that we have six kids, I get that question almost never because the question is, and I, I understand where this one's coming from. Are they all yours? <laughs> and, I was going to say, you'll, you'll get asked that a lot, yeah. no matter what. And that one is, I understand completely because they're trying to figure out, do you really have six yes. kids? Yes, they're all mine. And you know, so mm-hmm. then you don't get, um, I don't, we don't get the other question. I, I don't anymore, but it definitely did when it was just the, the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know where that where are they from? <laughs> yeah, and I get what they're trying to figure out. They're assuming they're internationally adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll speak to people coming up to them and speak to them in Spanish or something, and they're like, "I don't know what you're saying." Like, yeah, I'm from California. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> down the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, huh. Another one that really is frustrating is uh, having when you're trying to explain to someone, "Here's the issues with my kid, and here's the struggles that we go through." And they, uh, and I know they're trying to be reassuring, but it, it's, oh, that's normal. That's normal behavior. Um, hmm. And it, it's entirely, it's very frustrating because one, yeah. it, it, it suggests that your experience is not valid with how difficult it is. So mm-hmm. you're just, that's normal kid behavior. And, and, and second, it's frustrating because you know it's not. Mm-hmm. But yes, a lot of this is rooted in typical kid behavior, but then let's amplify it by uh, 10. Yeah. Yeah. Just turn it up a couple notches or ten, yeah, and, and then that's you, what we're dealing with, yeah. And so then it just it just it feels like they're not taking you seriously when you're trying to explain these are the issues that we're having to deal with, and it's a struggle. I mean, and it's so much a struggle that you have people that that end up with anxiety and PTSD from this, which isn't really normal with with a healthily attached child, um, or just stuff that isn't is obviously not normal. Your kid is terrorizing the school and destroying stuff, but that's normal behavior, and I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're How are you defining normal? Yeah. <laughs> Stealing money from the bus driver and cutting up normal? the bus seats and yeah. lighting your... Well, I'm a guard at the prison, <laughs> yes, and uh, this is normal. Yeah, I see this every day. And, and then you <laughs> mentioned one with, um, and then this may be more us, but... Um, and I, but no, I've talked to some other parents that, that they struggle with this. We deal with a lot of crappy behavior at home, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of times the kids will behave pretty well for people initially um, mm-hmm. if you don't have them long term. And that's great. And I don't have a problem with, with people saying, you know, like, oh, your kids are so well behaved or mm-hmm. they did well. Great. I get excited. But when people, when especially if you're trying to explain stuff about your kids to someone and then they say well your kids are just so wonderful fantastic awesome amazing joyful there's too many adjectives in there which tells me one thing they have manipulated and conned that person and it's hard and i'm I, i'm not good with my i don't have a good poker face so i'm sure i'm just it's looking wonderful at, playing games against her i always win That's i'm not true. sure i'm just looking at them in semi disgust and then of course that leads into what's wrong with you why aren't you happy that your kid is so wonderful and you want to be yeah because they're not <laughs> and that's not how what we we are going through day after day and and more importantly it's not that they did good it's the fact that all of those excessive adjectives tend to imply that the kids manipulated them in some way and so i know what's going on with that and it's like uh, and and that you know someone i know my personal issue with that uh it's like i want to hear that they did good that's great if you get too fluffy with description it again it, it almost so it still feels like especially if i've been telling you this is their behavioral issues that you're trying to, uh, I guess, counteract that and say, no, no, they're fantastic, they're amazing, they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have been for that moment, but I guarantee that most parents who've been struggling for years with the the, the behavioral issues aren't going to 
see it. That that's, almost tr- like, that's real. That's yeah. not real. That like sort of effusive praise can almost be more discouraging than in, than encouraging. Yeah, it's, keep it's, it simple. It's yeah. a lack. It, it feels yeah. like a little bit of lack of understanding, but it also is reckoning back to what Claire had said earlier, where they're using this person because they are trying to uh, they're trying to get whatever they feel they need in the moment. So yeah. they're going to put it out there. Yeah. Like I, if I, I'm just gonna die if I don't have this juice right now. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're endearing. They're like, I'm, I'm going to be really sweet so I can get something out of this. It's yeah. it, the goal is to get something out of them. And yeah. so I'm going to butter that person up for it. And they, and they can it's be like, super charming and mm-hmm. sweet and, and ham it up like no other uh, cry on cue, all that stuff that's going to get someone. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and that, yeah, but it's, it's all even like giving affection is there's, there's the true affection where I'm just giving you affection to give you affection. And then there's the, I'm going to give you affection because uh, I know that I can get something out of this, yeah. and and even that, you know, when you're telling someone, you know, please don't hug my kid, <laughs> and they look at you like you're crazy, and you're like, well, we're working on them learning who's the parent and appropriate response, appropriate response for, appropriate attachment. as well as yeah. not using the hugs for manipulation. I always told my mom, you know, if you're initiating, I don't don't worry about it, but if they come up. And this isn't now with most of the kids, but when there was various times where they had these things, if they're coming up and oh hello, what's you know I love you, it's it's you can they, it's a tone of voice I hear, but I know most people don't notice it, but it's a tone of voice, and if they're coming up, then you have to just be like nope, that's the manipulation voice, and it's yeah, and it's it's hard because I get it's hard to you're it's natural not normal. It's right? like yeah. oh they're so cute, oh and give them a hug, and I'm sure I was guilty of this before, you know that we right. adopted because that. It it is it's something that just is hard to understand why you would not allow this. Why would you shun love in this moment? Right. Yeah. So uh, we're just about out of time, but there's a there's a key question I want to make sure we we give a few minutes of time to, and and that is that um, a lot of different families will be will feel called to uh, to perhaps be foster parents to adopt uh, to um, to kind of engage in that that journey. Uh, but there are a lot of families who either through whether it's a sense of calling or life stage or whatever, just just they, they just can't or or they just don't feel called to in the moment. Um, but certainly something I think we would want to encourage is just the idea that there are ways that you can support and love foster kids, adoptive children, even if you don't feel called to be their parent. Um, I mean, that's certainly something I mean, I, I hear your stories and all of that. And I'm just kind of like, OK, like our just for a variety of reasons that like inviting a child into our home is probably not a reality for us right now, but it's like, I just, I don't, I want to be involved. I want to help. I want to do stuff. And I think a lot of people feel that burden. How can, how can families or individuals help? How can they be a part of supporting these children uh, if they don't feel called to necessarily be a parent? I think things like even engaging with this podcast and getting a better understanding of what, the struggles that we're going through are um, educating yourself. You know, it's it's not all rainbows and sunshine. You know, once you bring that kid into your home, and, and even if you're not, but your friend is or your colleague is, understand what they're going through and and maybe why they're on edge mm-hmm. at times. Maybe why they feel a little thin mm-hmm. um, because it's insane sometimes mm-hmm. at home, right? And yeah. they are doing their best to. Be normal. I'm like I want to come to work and I want to engage with you guys and I want to do my best to put my best foot forward and uh, love on this community. And sometimes my best foot forward is a D grade because at home uh, I am trying to keep these kids healthy and moving in the right direction and just having an awareness that that maybe that's what's going on, <laughs> you know, without yeah. me having to spell it out. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I think um, like Claire had alluded to earlier. You know, like when we first brought the kids in. And, some of the kids came with nothing, and uh, a lot of times there's um, a certain amount of we have to re- kind of reorganize our family structure to accommodate this. And like our our we're not thinking about dinner, you know, we're not thinking about the the specific needs that you would get with a baby. And like we have this nine months of prep for this thing, and everybody's got to flood us with all these gifts, and we're gonna have a baby shower, and all like it's like oh cool they adopted that kid, I'll see you at work yeah. tomorrow, and it's like <laughs> yeah we never had a shower. We've never, yeah, never, yeah. Had, never had, never had, never had a shower. Or, I mean, we've had some yeah. friends that have um, been aware and given us stuff. And uh, maybe if we'd had more time to process that we're going to have a foster care 
uh, situation again um, that we could put something like that on or maybe somebody would take the initiative and do it for us like that would be kind of fun mm-hmm. you know if somebody would be like hey they're not going to ask for this but maybe we could do that for them that would be kind of neat you know cool. uh, the longer term care which and again still knowing who, you know who that is and 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 ha- you know having a list to be able to you know disseminate to people to to be able to help but uh you know having an opportunity to um have you you know go out on a date have some time alone um What's that? any <laughs> any time that that we have friends that uh have have helped you know watch the kids for us that's always fantastic i know that they do um the kind of a respite night here mm-hmm. um you know for, it doesn't work for us cuz our kids aren't all potty trained but <laughs> it is i know that a lot of people that helps out i'm just getting some time where you can you can have some time off um as big understanding i think is a huge thing just not um you know Trying not to be judgmental mm-hmm. and maybe going, maybe I don't understand all the, where they're coming from. You know, even just the fact that, like I said, I don't really participate in mom's groups because of, of that. They Because it's a completely disconnect of understanding uh, my experiences. So having people that that better, I just think, go listen and, and go, okay, uh-huh, and don't try to offer advice or tell you it's just you. <laughs> and instead, just listen. Yeah, that's um, a huge part. That's, uh, you know. Attentive ears. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, thanks you guys for sharing your story yeah, with us. Awesome. I mean, that was really, uh, it was really fantastic. Lance, any, any thoughts from you? Just, I know you've written a lot of notes and just, we've, we've heard a lot today from, from Jeff and Claire, anything you want to add or any kind of maybe encouragement to our, our listener, you know, you and I are sort of the, the, the ignorant ones in this conversation. We, we don't have obviously the experience that, that, that Jeff and Claire do, but I think we share a desire to, uh, to want to educate our listeners and our, our congregation and anybody else who would listen uh, about this subject. I think we ourselves desire for some education. And certainly, I, boy, oh boy, I learned some things in this, yeah. <laughs> this last Good. hour. Any other any other thoughts or just words of encouragement for our listeners? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, what we talked about was pretty raw and real. And, and the goal is not to scare people away from not at all. foster yeah. or, or adopting. I, I think that um, having your eyes open going into this process, I think two things need to be equally true. One of them needs to be that this is one of the most beautiful ways to bless a human being Mm. ever. You have 24-7, 365 days of discipleship that you are engaging with an individual. That's phenomenal. There is no other ability to enter someone's life and make more of an impact than this. So first of all, I think that as far as ministry potential and love potential to bring change. I don't know of any other ministry that is this significant, right? And it's ongoing. Like it, it, it never it ends. doesn't end. And it's and, still your child. And so for me, I want to lift the value of honor um, on it. Um, but once again, love is not enough. There needs to be wisdom and training yeah. because if, if Jesus, he asked us to do ministry and you got to do it right. And I think that getting that training and understanding and grace and everything, but I just I just have the highest respect and honor, uh, but also a very, very clear awareness how difficult it is, and we need to have a lot of grace and support. So anyway, I think it's wonderful. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, well, thanks again, you guys, for uh, being a part of the show. Really loved hearing your story. Thanks to all of you for listening. Hope that uh, hearing from Jeff and Claire was uh, informative and educational and inspirational for you. Uh, thank you again for being a part of the podcast, for joining us. If you are liking what you're hearing, we would sure love it if you would go on iTunes, leave us a review if you liked it, uh, and then join us uh, in two weeks for the next episode of Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.